Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. My name is Jeffrey Zakarian, and you're listening to Four Courses with Jeffrey Zakarian from iHeartRadio. In Four Courses, I'll be taking you along for the ride while I talk with the top talent of our time. In each conversation, I focus on four different areas of my guest's life and career. And during those four courses, I'm going to dig deep and uncover new insights and inspirations that we can all use to fuel ourselves to push forward. My guest for this episode is one of the most sought-after cake makers in the United States, He's known for his intricate, sensational cake designs, and he hosted his own Food Network show for 10 seasons. Without further delay, let's get into my conversation with Duff Goldman. Hey, buddy. Look at you. Silver fox. For my first course, I wanted to ask Duff about growing up in Detroit, Virginia, and coastal Massachusetts, and what smells evoke a sense of childhood for him today. Duff knew his answer right away, and it had nothing to do with cakes or pastries. Chicken soup. Chicken soup. Chicken soup. Yeah, and it's funny, uh, a friend of mine, uh, she's under the weather, and I made her some chicken soup yesterday, and I was outside, and I walked back in the house, and I was like, oh, man, it smells like being a kid again. It's just what, the, it just always smelled like chicken soup. Chicken soup was constantly cooking. Did you guys, <laughs> know, I gotta know rolling this. Chicken soup. I gotta know this, because you, you're Jewish. Did you remove the schmaltz and use it or did you leave it in there and just as a cover when it was like sitting in the fridge oh no you leave it in there you leave it in there yeah you leave it in there because you're saving it from matzo balls so you so you you use the soup once twice three times you take it off and that's the matzo ball schmaltz yeah once all the fat is nice and hard and you know solidified at the top that goes in a jar and you're saving it from matzo balls oh my god i'm like so excited now just knowing that 
Yeah. And, but now here's the thing, my, my, now my mom and I kind of like diverge and having some, yeah. Cause uh, you know, I've worked in restaurants and like things that have been roasted taste better than things that haven't. So I roast all my bones. Wow. That's and so my ra- chicken radical. soup is dark. Yeah. And she like, she's like, that's not how you make our chicken soup. And I'm like, I don't care. It's delicious. And it's better than yours. So. Okay. So <laughs> let, let's, for people, I want, I want people to understand there are two ways to cook chicken. Do you roast and then cook simmer real slow? And do you use wings or anything else? Or are you just a whole bird, very simple guy? I use wings and drumsticks. I can't find backs. You, like, no, there's you're not nowhere. Find back. There's nowhere to find a chicken back yeah. anywhere, you know? And it's like, I can't, you know, I'm not going to get a 50 pound frozen case of chicken backs delivered to my house. Uh, so I've been using, I use drumsticks and wings. Drumsticks and wings to make the actual stock. Yeah. What about the chicken you add to the soup? So I take all the chicken off of the legs and dice it up, wait till the soup is done, add it back So in. you don't use breast or thigh. I'm surprised you're not a thigh guy. No. I mean, I'm a thigh guy. I am. <laughs> but the, the thighs, uh, when you put them in chicken soup, I just feel like there's too much meat. To the meat to bone ratio. I see what you're saying. Uh, it's too much meat. You know what I mean. So I like the the wings and the the drumsticks because the, the you're getting nice big bones. Yeah, yeah. Wow, God, I'm learning something. Yeah. And I also this is some a lot, of, but I put um I put a couple pinches of cayenne in there because for me chicken soup is restorative, and usually when I'm making it, somebody doesn't feel good, and a little tiny bit of cayenne, nobody knows it's in there. But they just know that their throat feels better after they after they have my soup. Wow. A little bit of cayenne. So okay, so you perfected chicken soup. The smell brings you back. And the reason why you're doing it multiple times and giving it away is because it's what was in your childhood. So yeah, your mom it cures everything. It does. Your mom, was she the person that did most of the cooking or did any of that transfer yeah. to anyone else? Uh, so my great grandmother, uh, what was her name? From Moldova. Esther Steinberg, we called okay. her Mamo. Mamo. Mamo, yeah. She was a baker and a, she was a weaver and a milliner. She made like ladies' hats. Wow. Yeah, totally. She was super nuts. She, and uh, but she was like the cook, like the baker. And then kind of skipped my grandma. My grandma's an incredible artist. She was a photographer. She was a silversmith. Uh, she did enamel work. She was incredible. Uh, but she didn't really like to cook very much. My mom was the one that really like got all of my great great like she got all of her recipes um and really kind of learned how to cook from my great grandmother you know we grew up with delicious food i mean you know no, like know. the thing is like i kind of grew up in the burbs right i don't know where you grew up but like you probably had like other friends who were also sophisticated that also ate good food right living in like the burbs in northern virginia like when I started going to friends' houses, right, as a, in elementary school, and, like, their parents would cook dinner, you know, if you were having a sleepover, and, like, I would taste, like, their parent, you know, their food. Now, granted, like, other people's food always tastes a little weird when you're a kid, but nobody was cooking like my nobody. mom. Nobody. I'm the same way. Incredible cook. Uh, yeah. We used to get, I'm, I'm sorry, I want to turn my nose on it, by the way, Swanson TV dinners. I was a snob at five, because, like you, everything was cooked fresh for me. I'm like... This isn't yeah. spinach. What spinach tastes like? You just yeah. You saute it with some olive oil and garlic. When you're ready to eat yeah. it, it's ready in one minute. It's not like frozen. What are we yeah, freezing? Yeah, and it's this? like this patty of whipped meat with oh. this brown goop on it. You're just like, this is 
grossing, you know. Well, you're very lucky. So you grew up, you know, the Middle East, and I'm Middle Eastern as well. And I grew up with yeah, you, yeah. we made our own yogurt, and it would sit around the floors in the corner over the registers in the mm. heat. But when you taste, yeah, we also we, fresh we yogurt, made lebna. Yeah, in when you taste lebna yeah. fresh, you you stick a spoon and it stands up, and you're like, no one gets that. No, it's hard to explain people that. You become a snob early on, and not in a bad way. You're just yeah, tasting food definitely. as it should be at five, six, seven, eight years old. And you're like, well, this is, okay, I, my, my threshold is here. And then all of a sudden, yeah. the floor falls out when you go to someone's house. And it's interesting now, being a dad, like, I'm really aware of, like, okay, like, you know, I mean, she's going to eat some McDonald's. Of course she is. McDonald's is great. But she's going to know what it is. You know what I mean? She's going to understand its place in her universe. You know, she's going to Yeah, eat and don't food. you think, like, you want a hamburger? Well, let, let's make one. You want some French fries? Let's, mm-hmm. let's make some. Let's say, you know, and then you see the work that goes into it. And then, okay, let's go buy some. And then, you know, actually, it's fun to buy them, but the ones we made were really good. Yeah. And that's the education yeah. right there. It's like you'd spend time making them. It's kind of yeah. fun to spend time cutting up and, like, you know, having stories and, like, making a mess with your kids. There's nothing better. Yeah, we're putting in a wood-fired oven. She's going to learn that if she wants pizza, we need to start making it three days ahead of time. Isn't that beautiful? You know? Yeah, so we're going to make dough, and the next day, she's like, is it ready? Can we look at it? Can we, you know? And it's like, okay, we got to punch it down. You know, it's, I can't wait. It's going to be great. So I, I was, we have a similar sort of glide path, because I grew up watching Galloping Gourmet at 12, and you watch Chef Tell mm. on yeah. TV. And like, that said a lot to me. Because I already had this great food, and then here's this guy traveling to Europe and like coming back and drinking wine in a suit. And and if you know, you know, I know you know me, but that's kind of like who I am. And I never knew at (laughs) ten or eleven that thing would get through and and become so important to me. But tell me about Chef Tell. Chef Tell, he was kind of a wild dude. Yeah, he was. Right, he was. He was a wild guy. He's really funny. Like, yeah, he was in Philadelphia. He like. He wore like leather pants. Like he was just like total, like just swinging super cool guy. And like, it wasn't, I think when, I mean, I was really young. I was probably five or six when I was watching, but like, I was just like, this guy's nuts, you know? And like, I think when I was looking at him, when I was five or six, I was like, most of the adults I know don't look or sound like this guy. This guy's different. And I like this adult. Most adults, you're like, I don't, we're, we're not speaking the same language, but like this guy, you just kind of got. And there was something about that, like my relationship with Chef Tell, I think really informed what I try to do when I'm on TV now. And I try to, like, when people watch Ace of Cakes, I think that, you know, there were a lot, we had a lot of kids that watched Ace of Cakes. And I think the thing is, was that they were looking at us and they were like, wait a minute, those are adults. And they're acting like that. They're silly and they're doing cool stuff. And like they dress weird and they listen to music and they like goof around. And like, I want to be that kind of adult. And I think that that was like, not necessarily conscious on my part, but I think it was definitely part of the the DNA of sort of, you know, who I became. In our second course, I had to understand how Duff first found his way into the kitchen. He got his start as a fry cook at McDonald's, which taught him valuable lessons about cooking that he carries with him to this day. So I can make 12 Big Macs in a minute. Mm. I was like, I was good at it. 
they put me on the register and that didn't go so well. So they were, they were like, you're going to be cooking. And so one of the things I used to get in trouble and Grant, here's the thing. I was, I had to get a permission slip from my guidance counselor at junior high school to get that job. And I mean, I was young and even back then, like I was cooking fries and the way it would work is you would, you would open up the frozen fries, you drop them in the basket, you drop them in the oil, you hit the button. When the timer goes off, you pull them out, salt them and serve them. I personally thought that they needed another 15 seconds. Ooh, and I agree with you. Right? I agree with yeah, you. I mean, the, the crisp doesn't stay. They don't take crispy. and They, need, they just yeah. need a little yeah. color. Uh, they need a little more color. Yeah. And my managers were like, you got to stop doing that. And I'm like, they're better. And they're like, it doesn't matter. They, it like, does matter. And and it was, well, it it does matter. It's McDonald's taught me some really serious lessons. And I think that anybody wanting to get into culinary should go work at McDonald's first because you learn all the dumb stuff that nobody wants to teach you. You run nice kitchens that are putting out really crazy food. You can't have people that don't know what they're doing walk into your kitchen and be like, hey, I want to I want to work here. Right. There's just some things you're not going to teach people like, hey, when you do this, do it the same way every single time. Yeah. You know, like, I, you know, I'm not paying you to think I'm paying you to. to oh, yeah. You know, you're a technician. Bake, you know. You're a technician. It's just that McDonald's. Yes. You're a technician. Yeah. But it's important because I tell people it's three shows a day, breakfast, lunch and dinner. You do the same thing every day. You better do it right. Fifteen hundred times a week. Well, you're not going to have a mm. job. That's what it is. It isn't this yeah. artism. Art, artistry comes and goes like a meteor. And when it comes, you grab mm. it, but you got to put it in a bottle. You're not selling your artistry. You're selling like, okay, I had this. I spent all this time on this fantastic Cote de Boeuf of four, but they they want the cheeseburger. They sell more. They want more of those. So you got to like accept it and move on. Yeah, that's a bitter pill to swallow. Isn't it's it? a bitter pill to swallow. <laughs> I, but I love that the fact that you spent a lot of time in um, sandwich on Cape Cod, Mass, and I'm a Massachusetts boy. So yeah. what the hell did you do in sandwich? Oh, I did. I graduated high school in sandwich. We moved up there from Virginia. My parents split up. So, you know, we got out of my dad was in government. So we got out of the D.C. area and my mom watched too much uh, Northern Exposure. So she <laughs> wanted some sort of grand adventure as a recent divorcee. And so she was like, let's move to Cape Cod, you know, <laughs> so we moved to Cape Cod and she, you know, it's lovely. You know, my, her, my stepdad, like, Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's it was like, we moved there and I was like, there are three stoplights in this town. I am not cut out for this. And I ended up, it's just my spiritual home. You know, it's a really wonderful place. And I love clams. I fun fact about Duff. I think about clams at least once a day. Wow. They're that good there, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, I just love clams. I, clams I, are a I religion a clam. in Cape Cod. You have to understand. Oh. People don't know Massachusetts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's a religion. They're mm. so expensive. People don't realize they're like a fortune. A gallon of clams yeah. is like gold. But like frying a clam, like everybody in the world, there's like 99.8% of the world thinks that fried clams are clam strips. Yep. And nobody understands like what a real Ipswich clam fried with the belly on and like what the difference. Tell us is. how you would, you know, tell us, strips. walk us through a fried clam demo. So, all right. If I was going to fry a clam, I've, I don't know if I've ever fried a, a piss clam before. So they're called piss clams because when you, when you dig for them and you pull them out of the sand, they squirt yep. water at you. Um, but so you, uh, they had sort of had these sort of long squiggly bodies 
and they got a big yep. belly. They got this big round belly. Do you, you like the bellies or oh, no bellies? You like the whole thing, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The bellies. That's the part, right? It's the it's the plasma. It's like you get all yeah. you get all this crunch. You get all this chew from like the clam meat, but then you get the belly, and it's like a gusher. Yeah. Know? Yeah. No, it's amazing. So, uh, do you like it with a roll toasted, or do you like it um, just in a, in a pint cup with mayonnaise or 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 tartar sauce? Yeah, yeah. I like them. I like them in a huge bowl, <laughs> a giant bowl, and a big thing of tartar sauce, and a Parker House roll, cold butter. Yeah, man. <laughs> so you're like you're sort of like graduating Baltimore. You got a history degree, philosophy degree, and then you just said, "Screw it, I'm going to culinary school." You know, it's funny. So when I was uh, when I was a kid, when I was young, the reason I got a job at McDonald's was because I was a graffiti artist, and you know I couldn't ask my mom for money for spray paint, so I uh, had to get a job, and so I got a job so I could make enough money to buy spray paint. That was kind of my intro to cooking. You know, I mean, everybody finds it differently. You know, we, you yeah. know, I'm sure you have a crazy story about like, you know, how you actually yeah. started doing it. But it's like, that was it. I just, I needed a paycheck. And so that was my first job. And then, I, you know, it was like, as I went through high school, I just kept working in different places. I worked at pizza place. It's just what I did. And then when I was a senior in high school, and I, I like, I remember the moment I was working at Sandwich Pizza, which is the pizza place in Sandwich, Massachusetts not a place that makes sandwiches out of pizza. <laughs> and so I was making a, a steak and cheese. And so I had a big block of frozen shaved yep. meat, banging it on the flat top and I'm cutting it up with two big griddle spatulas. You know? And I noticed as I was doing that, my brother was in the kitchen and he like came to the restaurant because he wanted a steak and cheese. So I was talking to my brother and the whole time I was like, and so I like realized, I was like, man, I'm just doing this. My hands are just doing this completely on their own while I'm having a whole conversation with my brother and I'm not at all focused. I'm good at this. I should be a chef. That was it. Like that was the moment that I was, I was like, you know Philly what? Cheese like, steak. I'm not going to undergrad. Philly yeah, cheesesteak. Philly cheesesteak. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. For our third course, I dug into how Duff followed that drive to become a chef all the way to the top. He skyrocketed from culinary school to the French Laundry to executive pastry chef at a ski resort in Colorado. But Duff says it all started with cornbread and biscuits. So I was working at, uh, do do you know Cindy Wolf? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I was working for Cindy Wolf and she was like, look, uh, you know, she wasn't going to hire me to cook because I didn't know how to cook. Um, she's like, I'll teach you how to bake cornbread and biscuits. You can do that Tuesday, two days a week. Watch these guys. And, you know, maybe, you know, we'll see what happens. So I ended up baking cornbread every day for two years. And I just fell in love with it. Got good at it. Yeah, I got, well, yeah, I got real good at it. I just would notice, like, I, I, I saw how my awareness of the world changed in that, like, I knew if it was going to be humid, I knew that, like, the cornbread wasn't going to caramelize the way that it usually does. Or, you know, I would like, if the buttermilk was too gloppy, I knew that it was going to be a thicker batter, you know, it wasn't going to be as thin. I mean, just like all these little things that I started noticing because when you're doing the same thing over and over every day for two years, it's like being in solitary confinement. You start noticing the minutia and I loved it. I just loved it. I loved uh, trying to understand the sign. I didn't even know where to look at this point. You know, but trying to understand sort of like what was happening here. I mean, you know, I have a degree in philosophy. I'm analytical. So I was I was at our exec Sue's house and on his coffee table, there was a brochure for Greystone. And I was just like, whoa, look at this place. <laughs> look at that. That looks, that looks great. That's the best way you saw it. <laughs> I love this brochure. Let's yeah, go. Like, that place looks great. And then I was reading through it and they're like, yeah, they have a pastry program. And the thing that I really liked about it was that they had a certificate program. It was like 30 weeks, right? I was like, look, I had just graduated college. I don't need another degree. I don't want to be in school for two years. It's like this place, man, 30 weeks in and out. And I was like, I'm, that's what I'm doing. Wow. So I, you know, I mean, isn't that a special place? People understand how beautiful it is. It's just oh, carved it's, out of the mountain. It's like breathtaking. It's like Hogwarts. It yeah. Is. I mean, you walk in there and it's just this staircase that just goes all the way up. And then you get up there in the teaching kitchen. I mean, you have every amazing piece of equipment that you could ever want that you'll never see in the real world because nobody has a steam injected bone guard oven unless you're, you know, Daniel Balut. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, it's just, it was just amazing. And like the teachers are incredible. The, you know, you have every herb. California's, you know, California's awesome. Everything grows here. 
everything. Everything. You know? And so I also, um, so the great thing about that program is you got to stage at some really good places. So you're now in the thick of it. You're in the weeds and the swamp, but you're in like Nirvana at the same time because you're working at French Laundry, yeah. one of the greatest restaurants in the world as a stage. And you met a gentleman, uh, Stephen, who's a great, a great pastry chef. So what was that experience like? And how did that sort of push you? Yeah, you know. How did that push you in what, in, in which direction? Yeah, I think, um, you know, people ask about the French line, just like, you know, what did you learn there? I think the thing that I learned the most is digging deep, right? Like making sure that like my first plate and my last plate are identical and that I, there's just as much heart and love and soul that went into the last plate of dinner that night that went into the first plate. Everybody expects an incredible experience and you have to give it to them. And I think that was one of the things where, you know, at the end of the night, you know, I was young and like, you know, you, you like, Oh man, I'm just I'm kind of beat. You know what I mean? doesn't matter. That plate has to be absolutely perfect every single time. And I think that it was that, like, I learned the depths of myself there. You know what I mean? And Steven himself, like the thing about Steven is uh, Stephen Durfee is, he's like next level smart and you got to really pay attention and you know, you don't have time to be taking notes. Like you really, you, you learn to be on your toes. Tell us people about like the chef life when you're working in a place in the stage and what's the chef life hours, your lifestyle out of the restaurant. Many people have a very glorious view of what it's like to be in the chef, mm. in the chef world. And I think that people don't really understand like basically you get up, you wash your clothes and you go to work and they rinse and repeat. Yeah. So I was there for uh, about eight months. I didn't get paid. I would usually get there at about seven 30. I was one of the first people there and I would get the pastry station ready. So I'd take a Q-tip and I got to make sure that all of the chocolate molds are perfectly clean, you know, because if there's any little speck of anything and, you know, we're making all these chocolates because at the end of the night, when you get your bill, you get these really nice little chocolates that we would make. And if any of those molds had any speck of anything, the chocolate wouldn't come out to total waste. Um, so that was one of the first things I did. I would pull out all of the sorbet from the night before, I'd have to pull all those out and let them melt so we could re-spin them so they were fresh for service that night. Can't do that with ice cream because the, the fat starts to congeal. I would also uh, do the prep for the cheese guy. So I would like get a bunch of his herbs all together and get a lot of his stuff ready. I had to unwrap his Roquefort because the guy had really sensitive skin. And uh, the brine on the yolk fruit, the rope fruit used to like chap his hands. So I'd have to like unwrap and portion all the rope fruit for the fromagier. So there was like, you know, that was kind of my, uh, my morning. And then after that, it was like, here, make these potato chips here, Duff, uh, make these gougeres. You know, it was that kind of thing. And then when all the other cooks started getting there and everybody, you know, you really start getting ready for service. My station was a cutting board on the hamper. Uh, in the parking lot, <laughs> you have thirty cooks in the you know. Yeah, not anymore. These since so expanded it, but it was a small little place. And yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's very important. And like you said, you didn't get paid, but like you just mentioned the like twelve techniques that you learn, and I would say that that's a lot of payment. You learn things. Oh that yeah, you take yeah, yeah. Invaluable. I, the reason I said it because I know there's a lot of there's a lot of debate back and forth about 
paid internships and unpaid internships. I got to say, I would, I would have stuck around there for two years, not getting paid. I mean, I was the, the things I was learning at that place, you know, I mean, just the learning how to move, learning how to think, you know, just learning how to put stuff together. It was, you know, hundred percent worth it. I wasn't complaining. You know, I didn't mean for it to come out like that. No, no, no. I don't. I don't mean that at all. And I have the yeah. same problem today. It's like it's very hard to have people that want to actually do that. It's a very much, you know, yeah. you walk in the kitchen and they say, "Well, is there a four hundred one k plan here?" And I'm like, "Wrong question." <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> wrong question. Go back out. Come in and ask a question again. I, you know, I tell people like, especially when they're going to culinary school, I'm like, "Listen, like, you know, cooking. If you need a job." to earn a paycheck, cooking is not what you want to be doing. It's not easy. It's not, you have to love it. You have to be obsessed about food. And when you take a bite of something, you know, say it's a, I don't know, a Reese's peanut butter cup, right? You take a bite of a Reese's peanut butter cup. The way I think about a Reese's peanut butter cup is like, you know, I'm thinking about, all right, the the chocolate that's on the edges is like really kind of thick and you get a little bit of a snap to it when you bite into it. The chocolate that's underneath it, super duper thin. And with your tongue, you can actually like press it and it'll mush into the peanut butter a little bit. And then when you bite down the little ridges, they kind of hit your lip here and here. And like that, so that's like this, that's sort of the bite. And then you're getting like sweet chocolate, sweet chocolate. And all of a sudden, you know, here's a bunch of salty peanut butter. Right. And what a big, crazy gear shift that happens in your, in your mouth. Right. That's how I think about a Reese's peanut butter cup. And if you don't think about the food you enjoy, why you enjoy it, cooking, you just it's not for you. It's like it's hard. It's hard, hard work. And, you know, you get burned, you get yelled at. It's not you know, it's just not an easy thing for people to keep doing over and over again unless you love it. Yeah. You know, you have to love it. And you, you're learning this for nothing. You moved to California, I mm-hmm. mean, to Colorado at Cascade, yeah. a beautiful resort, and now you're the exec pastry chef. That is a stunning leap. That's yeah. like, come on. Yeah. So have you ever lived in a resort town? Like, have I ever like lived, lived in a... No, I've moved back and forth. I mean, I've right. gone to them many, many times. I've never actually sure, spent a sure. lot of time. So one of the things about a resort town is that Talent is hard to find. And in Vail, you know, it's like, you know, the the one-eyed man is king in the land of the blind, right? And there's just not a lot of people that know much. And so I got there. I had some buddies from high school that were kind of waster snowboarders. And I was like, I left California. I actually walked out of French Laundry. I was like, just like, I felt like somebody took a burr mixer and kind of blended up my brain. Like after a year of that place, I was, I was crazy. So I was like, all right. I'm going to go hang out with my friends, live on their couch and snowboard, right? I was done. I just, I was broken. I didn't even know if I wanted to cook anymore. Like it was crazy. So I was like, all right, I got to get a job. After a couple of weeks, I was like living on my credit cards. So I got to get a job. So a buddy of mine knew a guy who was a room service runner at the Vale Cascade, this beautiful hotel. And so uh, he got me an interview with the chef. I went in there. I was like, look, I just want to bake bread. Let me come in. I'm a good bread baker. I'll break you all kinds of delicious bread. I'll go home. It'll be like a nice chill job. He's like, I, I need a bread baker, but I also need a executive pastry chef. And I was like, I'm 22. I was in culinary school. I worked at the French Laundry. I don't know how to make desserts for 1,500 people. I just don't know how to do it. I've never done that. And he's like, you'll figure it out. <laughs> I, love I love him. I love him. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. His name is Jesse Lapitan. 
And I was like, I really don't want to be the executive pastry chef. I don't know how to do it. I don't have the, I don't have the soul for it right now. I'm just, I'm broken. Let me just do my thing. And he was like, I'm not going to hire you. I'm only going to hire you as an executive pastry chef. So he was a really funny guy. And uh, he talked me into it. He's like the cook whisperer. You know what I mean? Like I came to him like completely broken. And when I left there, I was doing sugar sculptures. I was doing chocolate sculptures. I was carving ice. Wow. You know, like, I mean, he just really like, you know, he found me this quivering, you know, hunk of meat and he built me back up and knew, you know, somebody who was actually useful again. That's incredible. What an incredible story. Well, he saw something, obviously. I I think he just saw somebody that knew what the difference between AP flour and cake flour was, honestly. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. For our fourth and final course, I got to ask Duff, about how all that incredible training prepared him for his own ventures and for all that's next. Turns out the beginning of Duff's career working for himself started in a very humble Baltimore apartment. Well, here's what happened. So um, I think one of my cousins went to Olives in Boston and uh, saw Todd English in there. And he was like, hey, my cousin's a pastry chef. So Todd's like, tell him to send his resume. So my cousin calls me all excited like, Todd English told you, told me to tell you to send your resume because he needs a pastry chef. I'm like, he probably says that to every idiot that walks up to him and says, hey, my cousin's a pastry chef, right? Like, what do you yeah. say? You know, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to send him a resume. So I did. 
And then I got a call and he's like, Hey, I'm opening up a place in DC come and uh, interview. So I actually ended up moving to DC back home. I was the bread baker there. So then I was like really close to Baltimore, which is where I went to undergrad. That's where all my friends were. And that's where all my like musician friends were. So I started playing music again, like seriously, we started getting good. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to move back to Baltimore. So I left Olives. I was, I was at Olives for about a year. Moved back to Baltimore in 2002. Opened Charm City Cakes so I could pay the rent, right? So I was making cakes in my apartment in Baltimore uh, so I could make enough money that I could you know, pay the bills and I could become a big famous rock star. In my emo band, which was called Two Day Romance. Oh, what a great name. Yeah, it's good. So the thing was, is we were actually a really good band and like we were played some pretty big shows, you know, we like opened up for some really big bands and like, you know, we were like, we were doing the thing. Right. And the thing was, is like, you know, I was still like in my early twenties. So I was like, if it's good, if I'm going to be like a a rock star, it's going to happen now. It doesn't happen when you're in your thirties. Yep. Right. Nobody likes an old fat rock star. Everybody likes young young fat rocks. So uh, I was, you know, like trying to be in a band. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to open up, I'm going to start selling cakes. And uh, that's how I'm going to pay the rent. Well, then all my buddies who are musicians, so my friend Jeff is a musician. He was like, he was working as an architectural model builder. And he was like, all right, I'm done with this. I, you know, I want to do a Duff's doing Duff's like playing music. I own the business. So I'm like, all right, if I'm going to be on tour for two weeks, I'm not taking any cake orders and I'm going on tour, right? It was great. I was broke, but it was great. So Jeff's like, all right, I want to work for you. So I hired my buddy, Jeff. And then my other friend, Chris, I hired him. Basically, we're like a group of dudes working in my apartment and like something that weird, like word gets out, right? Like a bunch of dudes in rock bands are making these like beautiful Martha Stewart wedding cakes. Like that's a very Baltimore thing, you know? <laughs> and so um, we started getting bigger, you know, and like, you know, I started getting more orders and stuff. And I was like, man, we need some help. Cause like, I'm not trying to work this hard. So I got an email from this young lady who was a, like a sophomore at MICA, the Maryland Institute College of Art, which is the art school in Baltimore. Really, really good school. And she's like, I want to be an intern. And I was like, I don't even have a, a health department certification. Like I can't have an intern, like this place isn't legal. And so she was like, I really want to, you know, I want to work there. I, lo- I want to make cakes. I love this stuff. And so she came and I remember the, her first day I taught her how to make pastillage roses, these, you know, little roses out of, out of gum paint. And she's doing that. And I'm making a pug, right? So I'm carving this cake to look like a dog. So I'm carving this thing and she's making the roses and she's like, she's like 19, like 18, 19 years old. She's like, I think I could do that. And I was just like, let's like learn how to walk before you learn how to run. You know what I mean? Like, let's, you know, do the roses. She's like, okay, I get it. So I'm like, you know, I'm just doing my thing. And then she's like, you know, I really think I could do that. And I was like, you know what? She kind of seems like very sure of herself. And I was like, whatever, it's just cake. You know, if she messes up, we can make another one. So I give her the cake and I'm like, all right, go for it. So she starts going for it. And I'm like, you know, she never decorated a cake in her life. She's like carving at it. And then like we iced it together. You know, I showed her how to ice a buttercream. We put fondant on it and I give her the airbrush and she starts airbrushing this thing. And like, she makes a photorealistic looking dog. Light years better than anything I would have. Wow. And I'm pretty good, right? I'm a good cake decorator. And she absolutely killed it. And I was just like, man, you got any friends? And she's like, yeah. So then her roommate showed up 
And her roommate back then is now my GM. Wow. She's running the whole East Coast. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy. So then we got all these kids from art school, right? So it started out just like a bunch of dudes in tattoos and rock bands. And now we have like all these like kids with like blue hair and, you know, a bunch of like weirdo art school kids. And it was great because like we were like the stuff that we were making was just like, you know, there was no rules like, the, you know, there was no there was no guidebook for this. Like there's no like, OK, here's how you make a cake that has a motor in it. Right. Like we just had to sort of figure it out. It was fun. <laughs> when did a food network find it? So it was like 2004 and I got invited to compete for Bon Appetit mm-hmm. in Beaver Creek. Yeah. They had a big sure. uh, Bon Appetit. A big, yeah. And uh, so I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So, uh, you know, I could go see all my friends in Vail. So I went to Beaver Creek and I'd never competed in a professional cake decorating thing before I've done. I did like ice carving competitions and like some other stuff, but never cake decorating. So I, you know, I didn't really know what to expect, but I get there. I didn't realize you could have bring an assistant, right? Everybody had an assistant. I did. And then there was all these like rules, right? You have to stay in your station. You can't like walk around to the other side of the table. You can't like, this wasn't a televised thing. But long story short, I broke all the rules. I made an amazing cake, but like I literally, I set the table on fire because I was <laughs> welding. I brought an arc welder with me because I was making this crazy big tree. It was super cool. And so uh, the judges, two, two of those judges were on Food Network Challenge. Well, they went back to Food Network and they were like, hey, uh, there's this kid. He's like 25. He's an idiot. But like he makes really cool stuff. You should probably have him on the Food Network Challenge. And so they called me and they were like, hey, do you want to compete on TV? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, so I asked Jeff, you know, I was like, hey, man, you want to you go do this? And it was actually really good because like, you know, I'm very from the hip. My style is very kind of like loosey-goosey. And Jeff is like, you know, he was an architectural model builder, right? He was, you know, and uh, so like our style, it was good. Like we, we complimented each other. And so we started doing those food network challenges. Like we never, we never did good. Like we always, our cakes would fall apart or like we'd come in like maybe third, you know, something like that. We were never winning, but they kept asking me back. And like one day I was like, why do you guys keep having us back? Like, we're not very good. You know, we're not as good as everybody else. And they were like, you guys are funny. You're the only one that tells jokes. And I was like, okay, I'll, you know, I can tell jokes. And uh, then they, they wanted to get some B-roll. And so what they did was they sent a crew to the bakery they come to the bakery. It's all these like dudes with tattoos and people with blue hair. There's like 11 of us. And they were like, it's not just you and Jeff. It's like all these crazy Baltimore kids. And so they like, you know, they were like, we need to make this into a TV show because you guys are nuts. And so they showed up with cameras and that was it. You My know? God, 10, how many seasons? 10 seasons. 10 seasons. And it's, you know, it's crazy because like you're trying to run a business. Like I was like, I'm trying to run a, I'm trying to run a cake shop, I'm trying to pay the bills. And like, you're also making a TV show in the middle. It's crazy. Well, it's just, if you speak, if you speak your mind and it's amazing that all the bullshit you can cut right through and the people actually see the authenticity. And I think that everybody sees your authenticity. Such so to the fact that you got like, how many of these uh, studios you have now? The, the cake mix places. Oh man. Well, we had five. Now we have one. <laughs> Are you going to reopen some of them? Pandemic. Uh, yeah, yeah, we are pandemic. Like, I mean, it was really, you know, you think about like my studios were a bunch of people come and inside of a building and, you know, a bunch of kids running around decorating cakes, working with their hands. I know I had my two daughters there. We had a blast doing it. And they're so, they're it's fun, it's right? so fun. And it's like so unusual yeah. in the middle of a big city. It's like, let's go in, let's make some cakes. And you make it so easy. And it was so well, it was so smartly 
organized and it was such a clean space. Mm-hmm. And kids need that kind of vocational sort of stuff that sometimes the parent, you know, we don't have those things anymore. The mom and dad, who knows how to make a cake anymore from scratch? Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. You know, it, beyond that too, I mean, there's something that I found, and this was after I opened it that I noticed this, or at least articulated it. The, the thing that I love seeing is kids come in there and you can tell they're a little aloof and they might be a, like a little bit, you know, a little bit nervous about trying something like this because it's crazy. And when they're done and they're looking at this thing they made, they're like, I am a pastry god. Yeah. You know, just this sense of accomplishment that you've been able to, to give somebody. And when you think about like where that can go, and it's, I like to think of like, you know, when, when you give somebody an opportunity to have that sense of accomplishment for themselves, if that's like a new feeling for them, well, then now it's like, well, where else can I get yeah. that feeling? I'm not trying to make everybody into a cake decorator. I just want everybody to be awesome. You can be like, wait, I want that sense of accomplishment. I'm going to like run sprints every day and, you know, I'm, I'm going to run a 4440, right? And when I hit it, right, I, you know, that's it. Like, you know, like I'm going to see this happen. I can, there's something in my mind that I know that I don't know how to do right now. I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to do this thing. You're like, I'm smart enough and I can figure it out. So it seems like you got a lot figured out, but you know, you never can figure out a baby and you have this beautiful daughter, Josephine. So it's, <laughs> everything's changing. What, what's next for you? What's the future look like? The immediate future, no one knows the full future, but as far as your brand and your family, you know, where are you going? What, what do you, where you want to go, first of all? I don't know. I mean, I, the thing is, is like, like mentoring kids on kids baking championship. And um, great. So, you know, I've been really just like, you know, with my daughter, like I've been really getting into kids stuff. Like I love, I just wrote a kid's cookbook, uh, super good baking for kids. And it's like, it's amazing the messages I'm getting on Instagram. Like, Hey, my kid has your book. Look at this cake. They just made. She's seven. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's, it's just like that kind of thing for me, I think is, you know, that's the most rewarding. I think like doing stuff with kids, kids are so excited. A lot of times, like adults, like life has beaten them down. Yeah, no. We, we lose our, you lose your, your joy and your verve and your curiosity and your, your enthusiasm, you know? And I think like with kids, like they still got it. But it's like, I, I love doing this stuff, you know? Like I just love it. So I don't know. I don't know what's next. <laughs> I don't know what's next either. But all I know is I've had a delightful hour. It just flew by. It's, it's just wonderful to talk to you. You have such a great, calm, viewpoint of things. And um, I know it doesn't come from you being calm because I don't think you're a calm person. I think that you're, you know, part part graffiti artist, part musician, part rock star, and uh, 100% (laughs) great human being. Thank you so much for spending time with me, my man. Thanks, man. Back at you, buddy. Thanks very much for listening to Four Courses with Jeffrey Zakarian, a production of iHeartRadio and Corner Table Entertainment. Four Courses is created by Jeffrey Zakarian, Margaret Zakarian, Jared Keller, and Tara Halper. Our executive producer is Christopher Hasiotis. Four Courses is produced by Jonathan Hawes Dresler. Our research is conducted by Jesslyn Shields. Our talent booking is by Pamela Bauer at Dogtown Talent. This episode was edited and written by Priya Mahadevan and mixed by Joe Tisdall. Special thanks to Katie Fellman for help as recording engineer. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Ready? Okay. 
Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.